0: Man, whether your stress in the last year has been mental or it's been emotional, maybe it's been relational or financial or even spiritual, I think all of us would have to say we have been impacted by the events of the last 14 months or so. The Daily Mail is a website that gives daily news. And in an update last month, it reported on some of the most common Google searches of 2020. Do you know what words and phrases kind of were most common this past year for Google search. Things like coronavirus, no big surprise. Panic attack, I can see that. How to make a face mask. I mean, nobody saw that coming two years ago. And then when will the pandemic end? And your guess is as good as mine on that one. But you know, there are some other ones that have come up as well. There have been things like hope. Hug, prayer, let's face it, there's a longing for hope today. Hugs, well, they've been kind of in short supply with the no contact rules, and then there's always a need for prayer. Last week, we talked about how every coin has two sides. There's heads and tails. Before the start of a game, you might flip it to see who gets to go first, You need to break a tie in a contest. You might flip a coin to see who gets the prize. If you're taking a true or false test, you might have to flip a coin to figure out what answer to put down, though studying is usually more helpful than a coin toss. We say things like, there are two sides to every coin. And sometimes we use a phrase like that to mean that there are two different perspectives on the same event. There might be a positive way and a negative way to look at the same reality. For instance, we're wrapping up the NCAA basketball tournament this weekend. Most of us haven't been too happy with the tournament this year because our teams weren't there. But you know what? I still love March Madness. Every game is do or die. It's such an exciting and fun time of year. Well, for those of you who are old enough, do you remember way back in 1983 the run that North Carolina State made? Coach Jim Valvano led NC State to one of the greatest Cinderella stories of the tournament. A team has to win six games to win the NCAA. And four of NC State's six games finished with a total of six points difference. In four of those games, total of six points. Every game was a heart stopper. NC State, every time they won, things just got a little bit crazier for them. Their final game against Houston was just incredible. For those of you who know anything about basketball back then, Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon played for Houston that year. Everybody knew the game was over before it even got started, except nobody told North Carolina State. It was one of the most unlikely tournament wins. There's that dunk at the buzzer that made NCAA history. Coach Valvano is running around like a chicken with his head cut off, looking for somebody that he can hug after the game. But you know something, for every image that we see like this of North Carolina State, there is a picture like this of Houston. For every image of celebration, there's a picture of anguish because there's two sides to every coin. If one team and their fans can experience the thrill of victory, I guarantee there's another team and their fans that are going through the agony of defeat. If you have any question about that, go back and watch last night's game between Gonzaga and UCLA. Well, here's what's so fascinating to me about Easter weekend. Good Friday and Easter Sunday are right there together. And the enemies of Jesus thought Good Friday was great. Jesus was dead and gone. Their problems were solved. The followers of Jesus thought Good Friday was the end of the world. Jesus was dead and gone. Two sides of the same coin. Easter Sunday turned everything upside down. Jesus' body is gone from the tomb. Rumors are flying that he's risen from the dead. And on one side of the coin, the enemies of Jesus think, oh great, this is our worst nightmare. And on the other side of the coin, the followers of Jesus are realizing this is a dream come true. There are so many different perspectives on the resurrection of Jesus that we see in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see the excitement of Jesus' followers. The women come to the tomb that first Easter Sunday morning. They're expecting to, to kind of anoint Jesus' body. Instead, they have their minds blown by angels dressed in white. The disciples have hidden away in an upper room. Then they hear this unbelievable news that Jesus is alive. First, Peter and John see the tomb is empty. And then all 10 of the disciples, minus Judas and Thomas, that night, actually see Jesus alive. A week later, Thomas receives that same thrill of a lifetime. You remember the two guys who are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus on that first Easter afternoon? They could not have been more depressed. Man, their hopes have been dashed, and they just think everything is so bleak. Jesus comes up, was walking along with them, talking to them. The Bible says in Luke that they were kept from recognizing him. So he talks with them, and they spend time together. And, and man, a couple hours later, when he reveals who he is to them, his true identity, their minds are blown. One of them says, dude, I'm telling you, it was crazy. I knew that there was something about that guy. And that's not exactly how Luke worded it, but that's the gist. They, their minds were blown. Jesus appeared to his brother James. He appeared to the Apostle Paul later on. He appeared to a crowd of 500 people at once. All these eyewitnesses to the resurrection. But you know what? No one one was more devastated by the crucifixion and no one was more overwhelmed by the resurrection than a woman named Mary Magdalene. This is not Mary, Jesus' mother. This is a different Mary. We don't know a lot about her from Scripture. She was from the seaside village of Magdala. She was one of the women who gave money to help support Jesus and the other disciples during their ministry. Some people believe that Mary Magdalene had been a prostitute before she met Christ, though we can't really prove that from Scripture. Many believe that she's the sinful woman who anointed Jesus' feet with perfume and then washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. We read about that woman, we don't know if it was Mary Magdalene or not. Could be, just don't know. What we do know is that she somehow had become demon possessed and the Bible says that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. Now we read that very quickly, it only takes one verse in Scripture to tell us that, but I'm telling you, for somebody who has experienced the horror of demonic possession, that alone made him the hero and deepest love of her life in the musical Jesus Christ Superstar the character Mary Magdalene sings a song called I don't know how to love him and she says that he has changed her life and that he moves her in the deepest way she says she loves him but she doesn't know what to do with all those emotions at one point she admits he's a man he's just a man I've had so many men before he's just one more only she knows he's not just any man She knows that she loves him, but she's scared of her own feelings. She doesn't know how to love him. And that song made such a big splash in 1971 because people were so uncomfortable with it. They thought that it sexualized the relationship between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. But to me, I appreciate the honesty of the song. Jesus had rescued her from the most horrifying life imaginable. Her emotions must have been all over the place when it came to how she felt about Jesus she wasn't sure how to feel she wasn't sure what was even appropriate she didn't even know what she wanted she just knew that she loved him and she knew that when they nailed him to a cross her life was wrecked everything she had believed everything she had longed for everything she thought she knew evaporated on a rocky hillside on a friday afternoon in april her life would never be the same. And she was right about that. Her life was never the same, but not for the reasons she thought. She had lost her rescuer. What she didn't know is that she was about to see her Lord and Savior. Let me ask you this. Have you ever gone looking for something and you found something else that you didn't expect? Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. You're having an Easter egg hunt and you see a snake that'd be kind of a bad thing wouldn't it hopefully that's not going to happen in between services today with our little kids you, you go to the mail and you think it's a check and you find out no it's a bill you remember the the lady in Pennsylvania who was sunbathing and the dog came over from next door and licked her on the shoulder and she reached back and patted it on her on its head and then she rolled over and looked and it wasn't the dog from next door it was a bear sometimes you aren't expecting things and they happen when i was in 6th grade one monday morning they lined up everybody in our class probably everybody in the school and They went along and they checked our hair for lice and when the little lady was checking my hair all of a sudden she screamed and threw her comb I had been on a Boy Scout camping trip that weekend and there was a tick on my hair and she saw it and kind of freaked out this is not the response that you want to have from the lady who's looking for lice in your hair it's a good thing I was too young to date because it would have ruined my chances for years okay I'm just telling you it was weird Sometimes you're looking for one thing and you get something else Mary thought she knew exactly what was gonna happen when she went to the tomb that first Easter Sunday and that's not what she got Look at verse 1 of chapter 20 of John Early on the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and She saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance and so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Mary Magdalene had often gone looking for Jesus, maybe to ask him a question, maybe to hear him teach, maybe just to see him smile. But this time, she came looking for a different reason. She wanted to be alone with her grief. She wanted to be able to weep near his shattered body. The grief of the disciples kept them away, but the grief of Mary drew her close. Only when she got there, he wasn't there. She knew the disciples hadn't moved him. It must have been his enemies. What kind of indignity did they have in mind for him now? So she ran to tell the disciples, and two of them ran back then to the tomb to check things out. Peter, it says, went, and so did the disciple whom Jesus loved. See, John never mentions himself by name in his own gospel. He speaks of himself in the third person, he often talks about the one Jesus loved. And it almost sounds arrogant like, I'm the favorite, I'm the one that Jesus loves. I had a friend who gave me a coaster, it's on my desk in there, that says, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. (laughs) You know, you almost kind of think, is that what John is trying to say here? But no, 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 not at all. It's like John is saying, I can't believe he loves me. I'm a disciple that he loves, And it's almost as if John is shocked by that. He can't believe that a guy like him could be loved by a savior like that. But then look what it says in verses three and four. This just cracks me up. It says, so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Remember, John's writing about himself. And he just had to put in there that he beat Peter to the tomb. I mean, it just makes me laugh every time. It's like he is writing the most spectacular news that has ever come in the history of the world, and he says, oh, by the way, I beat Peter. I just want you to know, I got there before he did. I mean, even apostles have egos, okay? Well, Peter and John get there, and they find the tomb is empty. No mention of angels yet, so they turn around. They head back toward town. Mary is still on her way. Thankfully, John didn't say, oh, yeah, I beat her too. I mean, it has some dignity, right? But John 20, verse 10 says this, the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Man, Mary is so blinded by grief. She doesn't connect the dots that there are angels here in the tomb. And then when she sees Jesus, she doesn't even realize that it's him. But we have to give her a break Because, man, she watched him die. She knows what crucifixion can do to a person. She knew, I mean, she knew that she would never see Jesus vertical again. This guy in the garden could have been anybody else in the world except the person it actually was, at least in her mind. But then it says Jesus called her by name. Mary. Mary. And that voice, how many times had she heard that voice speak her name? I love in the video clip that we showed you earlier from the movie The Chosen where Mary Magdalene has been healed by Jesus but she doesn't know him yet, no relationship yet. Nicodemus says to her, do you think you would know him if you saw him again? And she says, I will know him for the rest of my life. Mary. And she knows. She hears her voice His voice saying her name, and she knows, and she runs to him. There's an old hymn that many of us grew up on. I've heard lots of people say it's their favorite hymn. My dad is one of them. Bobby Burkett sang it for us in first service today. It's called In the Garden, and the chorus talks about being in a garden with Jesus, and it says he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. And you may know that old song, but you may not realize that it's written about Mary Magdalene and Jesus here on Resurrection Morning. It's talking about her experience in the garden with Jesus. She thought she was coming to a funeral. She ends up coming to a reunion. And that song's probably right. The joy they shared as they tarried there, unlike any other. But that's the problem. See, the challenge is that all of us are not nearly as surprised by the outcome of this story as Mary was. You came here this morning expecting to hear about the resurrection of Jesus. You would have been shocked if I didn't talk about it. You may have believed it all your life. Frankly, you may not believe it right now. But one thing I know, you are not surprised that we're talking about it you knew that I would bring it up. What you might not be so sure of is whether or not it matters. Maybe you think with a global pandemic and economic instability and racial tension and chaos at the border and poverty and crime and grief and career problems and job stress, whether Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago or not, frankly, it doesn't make one bit of difference in your life. Friends, I can tell you, you could not be more wrong if that's what you think. Now granted, if Jesus died on the cross and he was buried and on the third day he was in the tomb and on the fourth day he was in the tomb and on the fifth day he was in the tomb and today he's still in the tomb, wherever that is, granted, it changes nothing. But if he came back to life, it changes everything because it brings hope. It brings assurance that every promise he made is true. Every one of them. The grief, the despair, COVID-19, the chaos in the world right now, none of it stands a chance against the resurrection of Jesus. Because Easter is hope. Easter is new life. Easter is eternal life. It's not an annual holiday. It's a reality every day. That's the bottom line today. Easter's not just an annual holiday, it's a reality every day. And so we, we look at the other side of the coin today. We shift our perspective away from the mess in the world, maybe away from the mess in your life, and we realize that we can look toward the one who is with us toward the life that he offers us and toward the hope that he gives us. And we realize that because of the cross, because of the resurrection, it really does change everything. So here's an image I want to leave you with today. I was driving to a meeting in Spencer County. It's been, gosh, probably a year and a half ago now, back when we were allowed to have meetings. And I was on my way there early one morning and I came around a corner and I saw this tree and it was kind of moody there in the mist, just gave such a, an ominous, kind of melancholy you know, feeling. I stopped the car, I got out, and I took that picture. I got back in the car, and I drove past the tree, and it occurred to me, I wonder what it looks like from this direction. I glance in my rearview mirror, I slam on my brakes, and I get out of the car again, and I take this picture. Same tree. Same day, same exact moment, just the opposite perspective. And friends, my challenge to you is this. If you are so overwhelmed with the mess in the world, maybe you need a change of perspective. Maybe you're spending so much time looking around at all the chaos and all the stress and all the mess that you're forgetting to look up and remember so much more. Is going on behind the scenes don't let the chaos and stress distract you from the truth easter it's not just an annual holiday it's a reality every day let's pray father we thank you for your promises we thank you that because of what jesus did for us on that good friday so many years ago that we receive forgiveness of sins. That, our, that we've been washed clean. But it was because of what happened on that first Easter Sunday when he came back to life, God, that gives us hope. It gives us assurance. Hundreds of eyewitnesses saw what we one day will know when we see him face to face. That Jesus is alive. Give us courage through these tough times. Help us to stand firm, Lord, and to trust you. Help us to realize that we can have hope every day, that Easter is not just about a, a Sunday in April. It's living our lives with the assurance that there is so much more to come. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.